politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for new frontiers and freedom here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house for Thursday, September 30th. And I think this is a great day to discuss new frontiers and freedom because this is when the fiscal year comes due, the end of fiscal year 2021. And when you look at the tab that comes due and you realize the unimaginable, unfathomable damage that has been done to this country, you will understand that there really are no conventional means of reverse engineering how we got here and somehow going back to where we were 30 years ago or even just a few years ago. You know, I I remember writing press releases for Tea Party candidates running in 2010, just 11 years ago, the shocking nature of when we crossed $12 trillion in debt. And when Obama had that one year where we had a trillion-dollar deficit. Well, this year, we're likely going to end the fiscal year today with roughly $3 trillion, a $3 trillion deficit. We're going to end the year with roughly 2 million illegal aliens apprehended and mostly released into our country. The public charge, the public health threat, the cultural threat, unimaginable. And by the way, those are the ones we caught. The ones we didn't catch, which could be upwards of a million, are even worse. And we're going to talk about that particular point with our guests coming up soon. You look at the inflation the single biggest inflation for some items in in a generation or even on record. You look at crime, 30% increase in homicide in one year, 30% increase in assaults. And it's a complicated discussion because the way the FBI quantifies uh, the reporting, it really doesn't fully capture what's going on. But those numbers in itself are obviously shocking. And then obviously our lack of freedom to walk and breathe freely, to walk without a clot shot in our body, and then to get the proper treatment from a virus that these very same people, the same people that caused all the aforementioned maladies, created. That's where we are. And that's why we really need new frontiers in freedom. New frontiers in freedom. Now, Obviously, any fight for freedom is going to begin with the uh, with self-defense and, and the Second Amendment in order to properly defend yourself. In this great time of peril, you have to have a safe and effective holster and gun belt. We the People Holsters makes the cheapest but also most, uh, most, most affordable but quality holsters that are American-made to fit your firearm exactly, starting at just 40 bucks. Um, their propriety clip design allows you to easily adjust both the cant and the ride, makes your holster feel secure and comfortable at all times, inside the waistband, outside the waistband. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR to check out their selection of gun belts, uh, holsters, and then even um, you know some fun t-shirts and apparel that have patriotic slogans. Every holster and gun belt comes with a lifetime guarantee. You could send it back if... Uh, doesn't doesn't fit your your 
your gun perfectly. Again, for an extra $10 off, offer code CR at wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR. So folks, we have nowhere to turn in this great time apparel. We have nowhere to turn. But as I noted, obviously the only solution is going to be in finding one or two states from the get-go to, to have a national divorce and do what we want in those places. Certainly it's not going to come from Republicans in Washington. They're giving in today on the continuing resolution. Oh, we don't want to have a government shutdown. It's unbelievable having that mentality after we experienced the shutdown of the private sector last year. No one gives a darn about the shutdown of government after that. We need that. We need a bringmanship moment. We need a moment of truth where people know the government is shut because the government is shut anyway because the government is supposed to protect our borders and protect our liberty and instead the very same government vitiates our liberty and then twists the doors off its hinges wide open and brings in the worst people imaginable from the worst countries in the largest quantities at the worst time. It's truly unbelievable. And we have no, nobody standing for us, no, nobody giving us voice. But I just want to draw attention to an article I wrote today, a column, and I'm sorry I was out yesterday, but we're going to have two, two important new columns out. And one is titled, There Will Be No Red States Left When the Courts Are Done With Their Business. I've warned about this. I even warned about it in my book. I wrote in my book the following that really rings true for today and today's guest. Pick your favorite conservative issue and your preferred policy solution and understand that the courts will toss out many of those policies. There's a standing army of legal professionals waiting to assail religious liberty, create new rights for criminals, and invalidate immigration enforcement acts at the drop of a hat. Last week, we had a federal judge in Florida, say Florida can't clamp down on sanctuary cities. So while they say you have no right to privacy, not to share your vaccination status with people, evidently a local government has the right to privacy, so to speak, not to share the information on illegal alien sex offenders to federal immigration enforcement. A world turned upside down. The same courts that are ruling you have no right to bodily autonomy, they rule that illegal aliens have rights to come here, local governments have rights to shield them, and local governments have the right to make sure you don't have bodily autonomy. You don't have a right to breathe freely, but a local government has the right to make sure you cannot breathe freely. And my point being is, you know, I don't just write books for the sake of it. You know, if I wanted to make a lot of money, I could write books. But instead, I write daily columns because we need daily information. I don't have time to take off and, and write a book just to make money. So if I'm going to write a book, it has to pack a punch, and there has to be a purpose. So I've only written one book to date, as prolific of a writer as I am, unlike some other people that churn them out like clockwork and make a ton of money but doesn't really do anything for us. And I picked one issue that I knew, that I knew would supersede everything else. And I, I foresaw this day coming, and I said, look, they have a system they created that we've agreed to called judicial supremacism. 
that whatever we do in the political system, it is so hard for us to even find a state where we get a critical mass of elected Republicans to at least indulge our issues and to get it through. And the amount of effort it takes on the electoral process, the political process, the legislative process to get this stuff done is unbelievable. But I said, even after you would climb Mount Everest and get up to the top of that peak, guess what they have waiting for you? A boulder to chuck on your on your head because they have the ability to take anything you do to court, any broad public policy issue, and we're told that anytime a federal judge says something, no matter the issue, no matter the statute, no matter their uh, the confines of their power, the contours of their power, they have the final say on the matter. So I said, look, we can't even hope to evacuate to one or two red states if we continue to accede to this game of judicial supremacism. Oh, man, Daniel, okay, you're right. Move out of Maryland. If you want freedom from mandates, go to South Carolina, go to Florida, go to Texas, go to Idaho. Well, it's hard enough to even get Republicans that are good there. Then you don't have to wear a mask. Then you don't have to get the clot shot. You can get ivermectin where you want. You don't have to worry about illegal aliens and criminals. No, it's not true. Every single state so far that has now put forth a proposal, some the governor, some the legislature, like in Arkansas, where they barred mask mandates. They didn't bar mask wearing. You are free to wear a mask. They barred the coercion of another human being to wear one. Almost every one of them, a court has placed an injunction on. South Carolina has been the latest. This dirtbag federal judge gets involved and says it dis- disparately affects people with disabilities. Mind you, they could wear their mask anytime they want. Oh, no, you have to wear the mask too. And the joke is, in all the places where you have 100% mask wearing, 100% vaccination, it's spreading worse than ever. You know, in Singapore right now, they have 80% vaccinated and they're blowing out their worst wave ever. And 80% is essentially 100% because when you're at 80%, what that means is that, you know, just the young children under 12 alone, which aren't able to get the shot, so those uh, people alone account usually for about 20%. So, you know, you'd say 99% of, of adults are vaccinated. You know, and then maybe you'll have, you know, 80% of, of 12 to 17-year-olds or whatever. There's nowhere to run or hide from that. Everyone needs to, they are vaccinated. But this is what we have. This is what we have now. So that's my point. As long as we agree that the courts have the final say, we can't do this. You know, Governor DeSantis just announced... Um, some measures he's taking against illegal immigration because of what's going on at the border. Again, everything he's doing, the courts screw up. We only have one Ron DeSantis. We only have one. We work so hard to get that in Florida. But the courts are screwing with every last thing he does. Until someone, until a bunch of states band together and say the federal courts what they have to say on broad public policy issues. See, th- th- this is what Lincoln said, things affecting the whole of the people. 
right? If you have where courts should get involved is where a government threatens to destroy someone's life for not getting a shot. That's an individual right to grant them relief. But to say that illegal aliens have benefits or you have a right to this, a right to that, a privilege to this, that's a public policy issue. I've been yelping about this for six, seven years since I wrote my book. Stolen sovereignty, it still rings true today. Every word of it, you could, it still is available where you get books on Amazon, wherever. But this is why, folks, even if we succeeded in fighting in the state legislatures, unless we make it clear, pass resolutions in these states, that the federal courts do not have the final say in the interpretation of the Constitution, if they say the Constitution is, is down, you have a constitutional right to force someone else not to breathe, but you don't have a constitutional right to your own bodily autonomy to breathe, well, you don't have the final say on that. If a court says the Fourth Reich is the Constitution, they don't have the final say on that. So I had to get that rant out before we have our guest on today. Now, today's segment, guest segment is sponsored by ConstitutionCoach.com. I'm really, really looking forward to our upcoming trip. They're actually there right now. They have a trip. Um, but the next one is October 31st. I will be attending, God willing, that session um, what is it? We learn the Constitution at night, courtesy of Rick Green of Patriot Academy, during the day for just 150 bucks for the four-day course or 100 bucks for the two-day course. You get the best defensive handgun training anywhere in America, courtesy of Front Sight uh, instructors. That their facility is located in Pahrump, Nevada. Uh, you got to make your arrangements on your own, but you could find out all the logistical information at ConstitutionCoach.com. Again, 90% off their regular training. This is the way we get to meet together, pray together, shoot together, and strategize together. It doesn't get better than that at constitutioncoach.com. Well, our next guest doesn't need much of an introduction to see our podcast. Uh, unless you guys are really new, you've all heard of Todd Benzman. He's the senior uh, fellow for National Security Studies at the Center for Immigration Studies. He is the border national security guy, covering the border from national security perspective. Um, but, but you know, we all give opinions on things, but he's really someone who has done shoe leather reporting, going down to the border during every iteration of this flow, and actually interviewing People from all over the world, not just Central Americans or even Haitians, but people all over the world coming, what their motivation is, how they come, understanding the flow of extracontinental illegals as well. Uh, if you really want to bone up about the border and understand what's going on, he is out with a book last year. He came out with America's Covert Border War. It's available wherever you get your books, The Untold Story of the Nation's Battle to Prevent Jihadist Infiltration. Now, that's when our nation was actually battling to prevent uh, infiltration. Now, we have a government that battles to infiltrate. Well, Todd, I never thought, I mean, when we used to have you on regularly before COVID, so you know, we thought during the 2018-2019 border crisis, this was like, I mean, you couldn't get worse than that. Kind of like the debt crisis under Obama. It couldn't get worse than that. But as I mentioned before, we're ending this fiscal year with probably close to $3 trillion in debt from one single deficit of one year and probably close to 2 
million illegal aliens apprehended in one fiscal year. What the heck is going on? It's more than the Haitians, right? Well, of course. Uh, about 200,000 a month are coming in. It's actually more than that. That's month after month after month. And about 26 to 28% of those are from countries other than Mexico and other than Central America. So the Haitians are going to be part of that group, but these people are coming from the entire world because everybody around the globe has heard about the open border and the bonanza to be had down there. They're letting everybody in. Uh, if you get yourself to the border there's a, and spend all that money and smuggling fees, you will have ROI return on investment uh, in, in big time. Because uh, once you get into this country and you're from a poorer country, uh, you're going to start sending all that money back and your investment in smuggling paid off. So what what catalyzed this wave of Haitians? You know, obviously, we always had Haitians mixed in. We've had non-Central Americans and Mexicans mixed in. Um, we've had this flow going on for over a year, a year and a half, really. I mean, really since Biden took over. Um, but what is what catalyzed this latest event of 15,000 uh, Haitians parking themselves at De Del Rio, um, an area that before this wave didn't get that many people. It was usually the RGV to the south. What catalyzed that event and how is it ending well, all of these immigrants or migrants that are uh, crossing in are just in a broadly speaking are enticed by the fact that they can get in very quickly within 72 hours and be legalized for their effort. Uh, that is the main catalyst. That's under this uh, particular administration. Uh, however, the Biden administration went to the Mexicans shortly after taking office because it was obvious by then that they were uh, going to have a political problem, a big that the, the big mass migration that materialized was going to materialize. So they went to the Mexicans and said, hey, can you slow roll at your southern border, slow roll them, gum them up as many as you can, uh, and we'll give you billions of dollars in aid, like kind of a carrot diplomacy uh, deal. Keep your National Guard on the border. And what the Mexicans have been doing is uh, making everybody apply for asylum or some kind of permit to be in the country. Uh, but if they didn't apply uh, or they didn't get the, uh, the, the paper, they'd have to stay down there in Tapachula along the Guatemala border. Well, this built up into, you know, 30,000 people jammed up for months on end, not getting their papers mysteriously because they were being slow rolled. And by early September, they were rioting, uh, mm. forming caravans and beating themselves against the brick wall of the National Guard troops who, who beat them up and returned them back. And it was just ongoing clashes for the first week and a half of September, really starting in late August. And the Mexicans are, have this an, annual uh, Independence Day week of celebrations called El Grito that were coming up for the week of September 12. And they didn't want all of this 
crazy stuff happening down there with the clashes and the violence with thousands of immigrants. So they told the immigrants, you have three days to clear out. All of you can just go. No papers. Just get out of here. Mm. And, of course, they all did very suddenly on September 12, uh, started boarding buses, and they headed to Del Rio. That's how this particular crisis started with the camp. They went to Del Rio, incidentally, because that's one of the few places on the southern border that's not controlled tightly by cartels. And you can cross free over there. You don't have to pay any tax or anything like that. You could just cross over. They don't care. So that word of that got out, and that's why they, they went to Del Rio. It's cheap and easy and relatively safe to cross there. And and we've certainly seen a lot of others cross there as well. So you're, you're saying this didn't happen by accident. Uh, it's a matter of that they were always there uh, for months. They were building up. Mexico was slow walking them because they didn't want a massive event. Um, but then, you know, they couldn't take them anymore. So they said, hey, either leave or go up. Obviously, they went north, hence the 15,000. Okay, so then what what happened with those people? What is the status of that that uh, camp encampment that they made? And what are the stats on how many remain, how many were repatriated, and how many are in our communities? Well, the majority of them were processed into the country just like the tens upon tens of thousands of Haitians that came before them that <laughs> nobody cared about. Uh, literally just tens of thousands of I mean, I'd been down there and boarded buses that were just loaded with all Haitians. Everybody's a Haitian. Uh, so nobody cared then. Uh, so then that's just what pretty much what happened is they are all going into the United States. They will eventually, they're on an honor system. Please report to an ICE office wherever you end up is the, the paper that we give them. Uh, probably none of them will, or some of them might, and they'll apply for political asylum here in the United States, uh, claiming you know that they would be persecuted in Haiti uh, so they can't go back. The problem with that is it's a big lie. It's a complete fabricated fraud because all of these Haitians are not coming from Haiti. They are coming from Chile, which the CIA fact book on Chile lists as the most healthy and strongest economy in all of Latin America. They've been living there for years and years already, but they figured that they can do better uh, with the border open. So that's why they came here in their asylum applications. They will all conveniently leave out the fact that they have been safely domiciled <laughs> in a, in a, in another country where they were fairly prosperous. A lot of them were actually really prosperous. Uh, and, uh, many of the others are just kind of working class fine, but certainly not grinding poverty, certainly not presidential assassination, and definitely no earthquakes uh, that they're fleeing or anything like that. That whole thing, that whole narrative is a gigantic lie. I found on the Mexican riverbank just across from the camp hundreds and hundreds of discarded Chilean identity cards uh, that they have to toss because if they get caught with them by the Americans, it goes in their record that they were already so safely domiciled somewhere 
that they had identity cards with that show their residency status in Chile. Well, folks, you know, if, if one thought that comes to mind based on what Todd is saying here is that it's funny how other people are able to get standing in court to force you to wear a mask. You know, localities have a right that we feel Americans are a burden on us if they're not wearing a mask, if they're not vaccinated. But yet, when you have foreign nationals come in that clearly don't fit the uh, definition of asylum, you know, that they were literally, they didn't even come from Haiti, they were domiciled in Chile, and yet they're coming in. I guarantee you, you know, no local government, Texas government could get standing to sue the federal government and say, look, you know, uh, they're just flooding us with people that don't fit the federal definition of asylum. And, you know, the certainly the harm in terms of public health, in terms of fiscal costs, in terms of security is huge. Um, now, just uh, to, to plug one of our sponsors for today, at a time when we're fighting so hard in the courts, with not much success, one of the only organizations that has given us success, success is Alliance Defending Freedom. They've been standing up for religious liberty, the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, marriage, and parental rights in America's highest courts for quite a while. Um, I want you guys to go to adflegal.org slash CR. Get a copy of their ebook uh, titled Generational Wins with your tax-deductible donation. You could see why it's so important uh, that you j- donate generously because, look, like these illegal aliens we're talking about – they have the ACLU fighting for them, you know, at the drop of the hat. In fact, the ACLU is involved in mask mandates as well. Believe it or not, they are forcing you to wear a mask. Uh, ADF is one of the only organizations out fighting for us. So, again, go to uh, adflegal.org slash CR, adflegal.org slash CR. All right. So, Todd, um, one of the things that I've noticed contrasting this wave from the one we had a couple years ago, which was crazy and chaotic as it was – is that there you had all the stories about the bottleneck in the CBP and ICE facilities, how, you know, the conditions there and how many were were being held there. We debated bed space, and then we had the debate over the backlog in the courts, uh, USCIS, uh, um, or not USCIS, but EOR, the um, immigration courts under the Justice Department. But yet it seems like in this wave, Actually, ironically, we don't have that type of chaos. It almost seems like it's like they're coming in the millions and then they just get dispersed into the country. I mean, am I is that correct that we don't have much of a bottleneck, at least not relative to the flow in the facilities? That's right. That's right. Um, the way INA Section 235 reads, it's pretty clear. Uh, when somebody enters the country illegally over the border – they must be by law, by statute, detained and put in removal proceedings immediately. Shall be detained, yep. They, they shall be detained. The Biden administration decided without any authority at all to just blow all that off. We're just going to let them in with these promises to report papers. Uh, like at some point in the future, you know, in uh, Orlando, here's the name of the uh, an address of the ICE office and uh, that, you, that we would like you to report into by a such, such and such a date. <laughs> so it's this bizarre honor system thing to just get them all through and to avoid camp like bottleneck things that are going on. Uh, that went on during the Trump administration, 
but it's illegal or, you know, certainly the administration does not have the authority to do that, but they're doing it anyway in huge numbers. Uh, I believe, I believe they've let in about 600,000 people that way in, in this fiscal, in this fiscal year. And uh, they're going to keep doing it this way. It looks like for as long as they're uh, not enjoined by the uh, Supreme Court or something, uh, which they haven't quite yet. So. Of course, of course. And then even if they um, would, they wouldn't. That wouldn't stop them. But your point is, it's not just the fifteen thousand Haitians that drew greater attention. It's that both the Biden administration and the Mexican government seem to have a vested interest in having an efficient flow that doesn't cause. It doesn't trigger too many headlines where they're bottlenecked up and you have like a refugee camp style um, encampment there. It's more of just an endless flow of a few hundred every hour. Boom, 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 boom. And yeah, and, and it's just an yeah. assembly line where there's 600,000 yeah. that just got dumped into the country, all 50 states, wherever they go. Yes. Um, And now – could you speak a little bit – I mean because your big thing is national security. And, and when I say national security, I include in that any you know physical harm to Americans. It could be gang members. It could be terrorists. It could also just be you know previously deported sex offenders. What are we seeing in terms of – I mean if I were I, – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know that over the last 20 years we have deported – we have, I mean, we've sometimes they come back again, so these are numbers, but at least 10 million. We have deported 10 million criminal aliens over the last 20 years, by my count, um, or 20 or 10 million times. Um, some of them might have been multiples. If I'm one of those dudes, to me, this is your time to come back in. Absolutely. Uh, the Border Patrol from about Tucson sector all the way down to Brownsville have left the line. There is no line anymore. They're off the line doing Walmart greeter duty of uh, processing duty uh, to just be there uh, in the sufficient numbers to be able to efficiently process all these freebie, uh, you know, pass through turnstile pass through immigrants as they come in. Uh, the, the immigrant camp that we just saw in Del Rio took everybody off the line from, for, you know, 200 miles, uh, border. I mean, there was nobody guarding, even the Texas DPS had to get pulled into this thing. Uh, you know, 120 patrol cars, uh, cruisers all to guard the camp to make sure there wasn't a, a horrendous breakout, a riot. Uh, that where they'd break out and be thousands running through Del Rio, which would be a terrible political uh, optics for the Biden administration. The point is, is that anybody could cross that border and anybody does even now, even before that, because uh, it's easy. And we have probably uh, 40 to 60,000 gotaways every month that we count if border patrol isn't out there to, to on the line, they're not able to count. So those forty to sixty thousand yeah. a month are just the ones that the one that they happen to be able to count. It's probably twice or maybe even three times that number are getting through into the interior 
guaranteed those are going to be criminal aliens, returnees that were deported. Man, it is just a gold rush bonanza down there right now for bad guys. Wow, that is that is just nuts. I mean, it, it's literally a welcome ad. It's like if I go down, go to downtown Baltimore, uh, post my address, and say, "Hey, anyone who wants, come here." Uh, that's that's what we're doing, and certainly they're taking us up on it. Um, yes. I, I guess my, my 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 question is, and I mean, this is very hard to even quantify at this point. But if you're saying, I mean, what, we're up to 1.6, probably going to be 1.8 million apprehensions by the time we end the year. So you're saying we've likely had hundreds of thousands of more gotaways throughout the year. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Beyond, even if you just take their numbers, which by the way, they don't publish. I know these numbers because they're always leaked. Uh, by good, credible sources to people like me, uh, they will not publish Godaway figures. But uh, if, even if you just take their numbers, 40,000, you know, 47,000, 38,000, that sort of thing, and add those up for just this year, it's hundreds of thousands. Now, Texas Governor Greg Abbott made a big deal of, oh, you know, if they don't secure the border, we will do it in Texas. So could you speak a little bit to what the Texas National Guard and Texas DPS has and has not been doing. Obviously, for our listeners who don't know, you are in Texas DPS, DPS's Department of um, Intel Counterterrorism for 10 years between being a journalist and going to uh, our friends at CIS. So, you know, you definitely have a lot of context there. What are they doing and what frustrations are you hearing from those folks? Well, the Texas Department of Public Safety, we, the, the, the nation really owes them a debt of gratitude for at least prov- providing something down there uh, as opposed to zero. Uh, there are a lot of uh, troopers down there, a lot of patrol cars. And what they do do is uh, fill the gaps in the line. Well, actually, they are the line now in huge expanses. There's nobody else them and National Guard for mainly drug traffickers, the criminal alien types uh, of the smugglers on our side of the border, uh, weapons trafficking, drugs trafficking, they're doing seizures and that sort of thing. What they can't do really is apprehend illegal immigrants and deport them because that is there's a big question as to whether they have legal authority, a state government over a federal international matter like that, where you have to have the Mexicans cooperating to some extent. And it's a, it's a, it becomes a different issue for them. So they typically turn the nut immigrants that they apprehend over to border patrol, which then just releases them into the country. (laughs) So 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 that on that part, they can't really do a lot, even though people claim they can, uh, but I think that that uh, Greg Abbott is sort of anticipating litigation and doesn't want to lose that litigation just yet. So that uh, was before, my question uh, to you. Election time. I don't know if you have information on this, but so the next step, and it's something I've been advocating for a long time, is that you hit these people on as many Texas uh, statutes as you can. So you don't hold them on immigration. You hold them like you would on anyone else on uh, child uh uh, reckless child endangerment, um, obviously drug smuggling, yes. trespassing. Is well, I, that happening? 
Yes, it is. I ha- I was going to get to that, mm. uh, but yes, it is. They uh, the DPS, for example, in the Del Rio sector, as of last week, had arrested about one thousand immigrants for criminal trespassing, and have uh, jailed them, charged that have them charged, jailed, and placed in county facilities, uh, two or three different county facilities there which they had to expand because they just weren't big enough for this problem, which is, you know, there is a capacity issue as well. Uh, So they are doing that. And that has a uh, deterrent effect down the line because an immigrant coming in, an illegal immigrant coming in who ends up with some kind of a big legal beef on their record before they even start at square one, that those legal beefs get taken into account by immigration judges and by uh, people who are adjudicating, you know, for benefits. And uh, they also have to show up in court and there's a chance that they'll get convicted and spend time in, in, in prison or jail for some of this. So there is, I, I think there's a, a lot of value in doing that. They are going to be expanding that for sure. Uh, to other kinds of crimes such as child endangerment and fleeing on foot. So, uh, and they, they are definitely uh, building a, a fence down there as well, along which they patrol for uh, criminal trespass onto private ranch lands. All these ranchers down there have allowed DPS special units to do these night, uh, you know, uh, nighttime operations out in the brush uh, to catch these folks and arrest them. And that gets down the line and nobody wants to come in if they know they're going to get arrested and go through all this legal stuff. Or they have to have lawyers. And I mean, it's just a nightmare. It's sure. not the I get in free uh, with everybody else. And that would be the goal of, you know, really expanding this to the point where they're like, heck, we're going to route the smuggling routes to California rather than Texas, which is a cleaner, straighter shot if you're coming up from Mexico. And, you know, that's the best they could do there is at least just route them to California eventually or, or another state. Um, connected to that point, I know you talk to border agents a lot. Um, I only speak to a few under this administration because of, you know, everything's under lock and key. Obviously, I mean, the morale is unbelievable. It's like literally um, making you work for what's antithetical to what your original job description was. On top of it, you have the vaccine mandates that's really flushing some of them out. Governor Abbott uh, made, a, I don't want to say a promise, but he floated the idea of hiring agents that are getting kicked out to serve um, as border security for Texas DPS. Is that real? I mean, are you are you hearing more about that? And and if you could also just speak a little bit to the morale of the border agents. Well, to the morale of the border agents uh, all year since they started just uh, opening the the floodgates, the turnstiles and letting everybody in. uh, Keep in mind, think about uh, Border Patrol as a Marine Corps unit of fighting men and women who gets sent to like a peacekeeping mission or something, you know, nobody likes, nobody wants that. None of those guys, they're trained to kill and fight and take beachheads and stuff. Right. 
that's the border patrol. They, those guys are law enforcement men and women with guns and badges with a lot of training to interdict, stop, block, detain, arrest, sneak around, investigate. You know, that's what they do. And under Biden, they were told you have to just process these people that you would normally uh, jail. <laughs> you have to just let them all in. And it's just horrendous. The, the, the morale, the, 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 just the depression uh, that those men and women are experiencing over just that. But the horse thing that happened with the mounted um, agents uh, last week has sent uh, every uh, agent that I know into absolute red zone rage and hatred and anger. It's, it's what, we're, what I'm hearing now uh, over the horse thing and the way the Biden administration just gave the other, uh, the, the, you know, they just came up with this narrative. Even the guy that shot the photos said, yeah, it's all being misconstrued there. I've never seen anything. I'm not getting phone calls of people that yeah. are just screaming and yelling into the phone and the hatred and anger, but also this COVID thing. Um, I have had two agents contact me already asking if I could get them into DPS. <laughs> uh, so um, I don't know if uh, the Abbott administration is going to be able to, to take on that many, but uh, maybe they can and maybe and they definitely should. Oh, yeah. Uh, because those those people are blameless and they're well-trained and they're dedicated people. It's so the perfect thing. Cool. Hey, you don't want them. Yeah. Me- meaning, I, and and not to bore you with with some of our uh, COVID analogies here, but we've talked a lot about ADE, antibody dependent disease enhancement, where you have a crappy vaccine that has you know kind of it's leaky and it has half baked antibodies, so it becomes a Trojan horse for the vaccine for the virus because the virus will gobble it up and then use it against the body. It's they're strong enough to bind but not strong enough to block. That's the way I view Border Patrol right now. They're actually worse being there because it's being used as a tool of manipulation for the cartels to more efficiently and effectively um, flow them in because if you didn't have them, you'd basically just have people running into the communities and it would force some political resolution on this in my view. I'm not saying I want it directly, but in some ways that would force a resolution. Whereas this, you know, the, the agents are used as a tool for them. Whereas we'll be like, all right, you know, you don't want to use them. We'll go use it. Texas needs, you know, many more agents anyway. There's no way, obviously they're going to need a budget for it. But I think it's a terrific idea. Frankly, I think it's an idea that the other states should be doing as well. Um, if not for border patrol, but just in general to beef, beef up law enforcement for people that are, you know, kicked out of the military, they're kicked out of law enforcement type of agencies. Um, hey, gobble them up. This is great talent. Um, in our remaining few minutes, I just want to broach two more issues with you, Todd. Um, so we're talking about COVID. Um, obviously, we have restrictions on people who could travel internationally or come in. There's de facto mandates on them to get a vaccine, certainly to test um, COVID, COVID, COVID. I mean, everything is COVID. Even for Americans, you don't have rights anymore. Now, the worst thing you could do in a pandemic is bring in people from 100 different countries all at once with dif- different epidemiological curves. Um, is there a concern on the part of our government, you know, when they're releasing these people to make sure that they um, are are protected with the things that at least our government believes 
afford protection against COVID? Well, yeah, that's a, I, I do believe there is a concern, not, not necessarily based on an interest in public health as much as political health for the, for the party. So they, they, there is, there are protocols where, uh, eventually people who are coming in through the turnstile, like we've described here, uh, get tested and the negative ones are released. The ones that are positive, there's nowhere to keep them. <laughs> so they essentially get released too, <laughs> but they're sort of kind of like on the honor system again, just stay quarantined for two weeks. And of course, you know, we've seen the stories about how they're found wandering around in Whataburgers, uh, you know, coughing and hacking and stuff. Uh, there's no protocol to keep them contained. There's no police at Catholic charities. Catholic charities doesn't have police (laughs) to keep them in their hotel, their government paid hotel rooms. Uh, so it's just sort of pointless really. Uh, people who are testing positive just essentially get released into the public. They get released into the public. So we have an honor system when it comes to illegals and then coercion and uh, totalitarianism for American citizens as it relates to COVID. Um, Again, these people do not care about COVID, never, ever believe that they care about control because if they did care about COVID, they wouldn't be doing this. They'd also be, focusing on early and prophylactic treatment and all that stuff. All right. Final thing I'd be remiss not to bring up with you, given that this is really your specialty. So if it's not enough that they're inviting in probably with the Godaways, I mean, close to 3 million people this year, they have to invite in more people from Afghanistan. Well over 100,000 clearly have been brought into several of our military bases. It's not clear where everyone is. Um, You know, I look at this, and I'm sure you've seen the 2013 Pew polling on the sentiments of people in Muslim countries. Uh, Whatever it is, whether it's beating your wife, whether it's support for Sharia, whether it's support for suicide bombing, Afghanistan typically ranked either the the worst or the second to worst behind Malaysia sometimes in some of those surveys. (laughs) Um, And, you know, there's no way of telling who believes in that or who not. In fact, in some of those things, it's 99% of them do. Um, Who's Taliban? Who's not? And even Mayorkas, the DHS secretary, admitted that 84% of those brought in weren't citizens, dual citizens, LPRs, or um, what they call special immigrant visa holders, which themselves are very, it's a very broad, uh, you know, very broad designation of any family member or any of any translator or um, someone who helped our military. And many of them, by the way, led our soldiers into ambushes back then too. So to me, this looks like an unimaginable, unimaginable sea of national security threats. It is a significant national security threat. What, what the way they devised and executed this thing. Uh, I'm not really sure where to start here, but maybe a good, a good place to start would be with a couple of cases that I wrote about. I believe I'm the only one who's written about these cases uh, in the courts uh, where um, a special immigrant visa 
recipient who worked with our military uh, settled in New Jersey was arrested about a year ago for alien smuggling. He was smuggling other Afghans over the U.S. southern border through Texas, <laughs> according to the court documents, right? One of those that he smuggled in over the Texas border, Brownsville, in uh, early 2018, was another linguist who was banned from ever receiving a special immigrant visa and fired from his linguist job from Camp Leatherneck uh, because he was a Taliban intelligence agent <laughs> uh, and um, couldn't had a lifetime ban on special immigrant visas. So they just do an in run. Anybody who uh, can't get a special immigrant visa has this other option open to them to just come over the border. We have Afghanis cross the southern border fairly regularly, not in large numbers, but uh, I assume that um, they, they will be increasing numbers. But here you have an illegal entry at the border by a security threat that was known to DOD and somebody who was resettled the legal way airport to airport with a special immigrant visa who went south on us and hurt us with national security certainly didn't care at all. So whether you're vetted, both of these guys were vetted. They both worked for the military for a long time. They're prone. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. Afghanis are prone to green on blue attacks. They are prone <laughs> to turning on us. They are. And more so than maybe uh, many other kinds yes. of nationalities that are coming through. You just can't trust the average Afghan men or women because there are plenty of women who are involved in Taliban activities. And everybody over there knows someone or has family in the Taliban or certainly is sympathetic. Uh, and the only thing that can uh, help us feel confident is security vetting. And who are we going to call the Taliban to ask for a background check? So your point no, is, even those that we so-called vetted and worked with turned out to be problematic, as witnessed by the body count of American soldiers. Again, I can't tell, tell you how many um, company plat and platoon leaders I've spoken to over the years that were like, yeah, we would deal with these guys, and then we would never see them again after they let us into an ambush. And it happened all the time. Um, but now we're not. We're bringing in just endless people that we don't even have a notional tie to them, even in in, in a in a fake vetted way. These are just, and we're already seeing stories in the camps of um, in the you know the military bases. One uh, female soldier was attacked by some of these guys, and you know other places. There's just all sorts of like social problems. Daniel. Here's the here's the other problem too is they they are doing vetting, some sort of vetting the best they can. Uh, you know it's garbage in garbage out on the databases that they check and whatever intelligence that we have, and they are finding uh, many dozens of security threats. What do they do with them? There's nowhere to send them, so those people are going to be released into the United oh, no. States, and we're going to keep our fingers crossed. And from, from my end, I'm just uh, hoping on the default, uh, relying on the default of the FBI counterterrorism uh, investigators that they catch them first.
Yeah, but they're too busy with that's the January sixth folks. So um, that's I don't. That's true. They're very busy with that. They, they, I, I, I don't know, Todd. I mean, they, 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 you're bringing it full circle. So we're doing the same thing at the border too. I mean, there's tons of all the people with the DUIs and assaults and all this stuff in their background, and there's tons of them. Um, they they let them go. I mean, presumably, if you're wanted for murder, we don't. But certainly, a lot of criminal aliens we're letting go, and it's the same thing with the Afghani's. You're saying. Even times that we again, most of these people are not going to be a card carrying member of the Taliban, or at least identifiably so. But you're saying some of them even are, and even those we catch, and well, you can't send them back. So uh, I think we should send them to right. Australia. I mean, <laughs> I mean, listen, listen, we have, we have. I mean, you can find my story on my website, toddbensman.com, on the uh, New Jersey Afghan who brought in the the Taliban guy over the border. Uh, but there's another piece that I wrote about a different case of an of an Afghan doctor that we brought in, and we gave him a LPR, lawful permanent residence, a green card. And for years and years, it took it took years to figure this out. This guy was thoroughly embedded with a horrific terrorist organization in Afghanistan called HIG. He treated. He would go back to Afghanistan and treat them. They were killing American soldiers. They were part of the uh, the war against the United States, and was in constant contact with that HIG while he was in the United States, sending secret coded messages in boxes of books back and forth. It took the FBI to finally figure that one out and bust that guy arrest him on terrorism charges and ship him back to Afghanistan. I hope he didn't end up on one of the planes. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Well, I don't know. All I could say is Sweden better have an open border for us because we're going to need a a country to go to at some point. Todd, I mean, thanks so much for joining us as always. This was a very uh, sobering as well as enlightening uh, uh, briefing. Benzman Todd is the Twitter handle. And again, you could find all his work. Um, if you go to CIS's website, click on his latest articles. Uh, ToddBenzman.com as well is where you have all your work. Uh, Todd, keep up the good reporting. I need you to focus on the security while I focus on liberty. Right. Oh, one other thing. I just started a Getter account. T. Benzman at Getter, and I really like it. I, I urge people to get on that. Yes. Yes, de- definitely. We're going to always try to get away from some of these uh, other platforms um, because I'm surprised someone like you still uh, still standing on Twitter, but uh, you can find you at both. And again, thanks for just always being vigilant and, and never letting this stuff slide, asking the right questions, investigating the right issues. Again, that was Todd Benzman, folks, Senior Fellow for Security Studies at the Center for Immigration Studies. And that is going to do it for us for today. As always, when you hear such a sobering briefing like that, it's just I'm trying to build this narrative that we're going to continue to talk about of national divorce. You cannot coexist with a government and a people that do this. No, you know, I, I'm, I'm tongue tied today. No sane government, even if you allow for certain philosophical and ideological disagreements, would do this to their people. Okay, this is a malignant government. This is malfeasance. They're doing this on purpose. They're 
And again, it's all during a time of great control. Like, at least Australia, they shut their border while they're persecuting their own people. Here, we persecute our own people and become the garbage can of the world. You could not get a worse border flow than we have now, and you could not elect to bring in as so-called refugees people from a worse place and at worse time than Afghanistan. Not to mention the measles and the diseases we're bringing in too. It's truly unbelievable. But again, this is information you're not going to hear elsewhere, which is why I need you to subscribe, give us a five-star rating at iTunes, and send this show to every one of your friends and relatives. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.